0: Was South Carolina's performance against the Tennessee Volunteers just a one-game outlier? Or was this game indicative of the potential that South Carolina's football program offers? I'll discuss all of that today right here on Locked On Gamecocks. Our Locked On Gamecocks, your daily podcast on the South Carolina Gamecocks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello Gamecock Nation and welcome back to the Locked On Gamecocks Podcast, your show for daily headlines and potential storylines on your favorite South Carolina Gamecock sports teams. I'm your host, Andrew Line, and as always, thank you for making the Locked On Gamecocks Podcast your first watch or listen every day. We are free and available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts daily and Let's continue to relive what all happened on Saturday night. Because guess what? The 24-hour rule in terms of wiping the slate clean from everything that happened on Saturday, that might apply to the players. But that doesn't mean that it has to apply to you, the fan base of the South Carolina Gamecocks. So I'm going to talk about what this game against Tennessee revalidated for this football program on today's show. And then we're going to do a first look into the big rivalry game that is going to take place later this week. As the Gamecocks will be taking on their arch rivals in the Clemson Tigers in the Palmetto Bowl on Saturday afternoon. And then we'll discuss a really big win for Don Staley and this women's basketball program at the end of the show. That's going to be our roadmap, so let's go on ahead and get things started with the Tennessee victory on Saturday night. Now, I've talked about the game itself already in depth, so I'm not really going to rehash all of that. So let's talk about the long-term outlook, the big picture regarding this game. What did the Tennessee victory validate or revalidate for South Carolina's football program? The answer to that question, in my eyes, is this. It revalidated that South Carolina is an SEC program where you can win big in terms of contending with the quote-unquote historic programs in the SEC. Now, when I'm talking about the long-term outlook, here's what I want all of you to think about. For the last few decades in the Southeastern Conference in terms of football, the SEC Eastern Division has been viewed as pretty much Georgia, Florida, and Tennessee being the three top dogs, so to speak, in the Eastern Division, and everyone else not being in the same stratosphere, whether that you know means you're talking about talent, maybe you're talking about the fan support, maybe you're talking about um, how much the athletic department is pushing to try to make the program better, whatever that may be, that is sort of the national perception of the SEC East. However, Perception, of course, is not always reality. The reality about the SEC East right now, if you're looking at this from a South Carolina perspective, is that Georgia is the only elite program in the SEC East. And for the last 13 years, this division has been begging for a second team, a second top dog in the division to... Take that perch and stay near the top consistently. It has been a revolving door for the most part in that regard. You, of course, have teams like South Carolina in the middle years of the Steve Spurrier tenure, who was quite good. South Carolina was one of the best programs in the country at that time, and I'll talk about that a little bit more in just a moment. Florida has still made it to the SEC title game on a couple of occasions. Now, it wasn't like the teams that they had back when Urban Meyer was coaching, but Florida still deserves props for taking advantage of when other teams have had down years. Missouri has had a couple of solid seasons. Kentucky has even had a couple of solid seasons. But listen, in terms of programs who can legitimately contend for championships in the Eastern Division, I think that you have to cut it down To four teams, really. And that is Georgia, Tennessee, Florida, and South Carolina. When you look at the grand scheme of what you need to contend for a championship, those four programs have it. They've got good facilities. They've got fantastic fan support. They are predominantly the better recruiting teams in this division. And maybe with the exception of South Carolina, they got history to point to. And in terms of history, this is what South Carolina has always had to try to overcome in terms of obstacles when trying to become one of these teams, when trying to be mentioned in the same sentence as Georgia or Alabama or even just Florida, who, again, has had some really good stretches in their program's history over the last 30, 40 years. South Carolina is a program that is not afforded the ability to hit a lull like they have in the latter part of the Spurrier years, and then of course the entirety pretty much of the Muschamp era where South Carolina only had like one or two real big upsets that they actually pulled off, and otherwise they pretty much were a team that, you know, could beat teams that they were supposed to beat, but never beat teams that they weren't supposed to beat. And when you have a period like that happen it will make people forget what they've proven in terms of winning. Because South Carolina has proven to be a program where you can win. You can win big games. You can make it to the championship game. You could be one of the best teams in all of college football consistently, not just in one-off year and then fall off a cliff. Consistently. They have proven this under two Hall of Fame coaches and Lou Holtz, and Steve Spurrier. They've proven this under Joe Morrison and Paul Dietzel, two coaches that are long forgotten by a lot of college football people, unless you're talking to someone who has really watched the sport grow and evolve over the last 50 years or so. South Carolina has everything that you need to win a national championship. But the thing is, if you want to reach the mountaintop, It is a building process. It's not going to happen overnight. In South Carolina's case, they're still trying to fight the stigma that college football and the Southeastern Conference, for that matter, puts on them, which is, if you're associated with South Carolina, it is inevitably, for the most part, a coach's graveyard. Even the great Steve Spurrier couldn't win an SEC title there. It cannot be done. That is completely and utterly false. People who say that about South Carolina's football program have no idea what they're talking about, and they're completely naive of the facts and of the resources that this university has to offer. And South Carolina right now, with the moves that they have made off the field with the athletic department and the support this fan base still has, rock-solid support for Shane Beamer, a guy who was willing to literally run off the cliff For this football team and the football program itself, that's dangerous. When you have a program like South Carolina who has all the resources that I mentioned earlier, and everyone is, for the most part, going in the same direction. Everyone is rowing the boat, I guess, so to speak, to steal a line from P.J. Fleck in the same direction. So, in terms of the Tennessee game, it just revalidated that, look, South Carolina can win games. It can win big games. It can defeat these historic programs. And when they have enough talent and it's utilized properly, they can dominate some of the quote-unquote top teams in this division. Right now, maybe outside of Georgia. But they could beat pretty much anyone else in the Eastern Division. Think about this, y'all. South Carolina is about to finish third in the SEC East. If you had told people just... Two off seasons ago, when Shakespeare was taking over a program that had just won two games in 2020, that that was going to happen, a lot of people probably would have slapped you upside the face and called you crazy. It's just the facts, but that's what's happening right now. So look, in terms of how this season has played out overall, let's not get it twisted. There's still some games that South Carolina definitely are going to look back on like the Missouri game. And they're going to sit there and say, I tell you what, we had no business losing the way we did the Florida game. We had no business losing the way we did. That's what South Carolina will turn around and say, but this Tennessee game will trump all of that. And most importantly, recruits will see that. And it can be proven to be a selling point for this coaching staff when they're on the road recruiting, when they're trying to sell this program and what it can be. So, This Tennessee win means so much more for this program than just what all happened on Saturday night. There is a big picture aspect that is now being sort of remorphed, in a sense, because of what all took place in this game and the way South Carolina won it, most importantly. Now, with the success that South Carolina saw against the Tennessee Volunteers on Saturday night, and the big game against the Clemson Tigers coming up this Saturday afternoon. Can the success be carried over into the Palmetto Bowl when the Gamecocks play the Tigers up in Memorial Stadium? We're going to discuss all of that in just a few moments. But first, want to let you all know that today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Simply Safe. Now, if you've thought about securing your home with home security, but maybe you've been putting it off. Maybe you haven't had the time to really look into it. I need you to hear me out real quick. Because you all, the Lockdown Gamecocks audience, can order the number one rated Simply Safe Home Security System for 50% off. This is their biggest offer of the entire year. Now, what I love about Safe is the 24-7 monitoring agents that the company utilizes, which in an emergency is used to find critical evidence and discover whether or not the threat is credible. This allows for an adequate response time from the local authorities. And by the way, this monitoring service costs less than a dollar a day, which is less than one of Simply Safe's biggest competitors in the market in ADT. So... Don't miss your chance to save big on the only security system that I would recommend right here on Locked On Gamecocks. Get fifty percent off any new Simply Safe system at simplysafecom slash College today. This is their biggest discount of the year, so I promise you, you're not gonna want to miss out. That's simplysafecom slash college. There's no safe like Simply Safe. <laughs> Welcome back to this Monday edition of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, where we cover your South Carolina Gamecocks every single day. All right, so I asked the question before we got into our first break: Can South Carolina carry over the success they had in the Tennessee game over to the Clemson game this coming Saturday? And in terms of that question, I would say that yeah. This success can absolutely be carried over into South Carolina's game against the Tigers. Now, in terms of replicating it, which I basically term as uh, you literally do everything that you did against Tennessee once again against Clemson, I wouldn't go that far. But carry over? Absolutely. Because here's the thing Tennessee's defense, I think, as we all saw on Saturday night, and as South Carolina probably exposed basically to co- the rest of college football. It is not sustainable for Tennessee to do what they do offensively and expect their defense to be able to constantly find ways to sort of work around it when they're facing teams that are almost as talented or more talented than the Tennessee Volunteers. So that aspect is a thousand percent true in terms of what all happened in williams Price on Saturday night. But... A big reason why South Carolina saw so much success in this game was because of the offensive game plan. Think about this. The biggest complaint from fans of South Carolina this season in terms of Marcus Satterfield and how he has called plays has been he's not utilizing the playmakers as much. Shane Beamer has even alluded to this in his own press conferences. And what was it that Marcus Satterfield did on Saturday night better than any other time this season? He utilized all of the weapons, and I mean all of the weapons, that he possesses with this offensive roster. Spread the ball around. There wasn't one person that got the lion's share of maybe the receptions or carries. Of course, Jaheem Bell had to get the majority of the carries at the running back position because of the injury situation there. And Antoine Wells, I mean, my gosh, if he's going to play that good every single Saturday, then yeah, he should get 14 targets every single game. But South Carolina proved to people, I think, and maybe I should say reminded people, they've got some players on this offense. Some really good players. NFL caliber players. Including a lot of guys that, you know, maybe people outside of South Carolina's fan base and people that report on South Carolina do not really know. And so, in terms of how you take that and carry it over to the Clemson game, let me just say this. I don't think you're going to be able to get 600 plus yards of total offense against the Clemson Tigers defense. I just don't. Now, in my personal opinion, the Tigers are right now living on borrowed time. And I'm not, and hear me out real quick. I'm not saying that T- Clemson's going to fall off a cliff like next season or two years down the road, and they're all of a sudden going to be just a 6 7 1 program. That's not what I mean by living on borrowed time. What I mean by living on borrowed time is. Clemson's coordinator positions that Dabo decided to hire from within regarding both of those spots, it's pretty clear to me the coaching, from what I've been able to see with the Clemson Tigers this year, has held them back, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Clemson right now is on pace to rank outside the top 20 in total defense for the first time in probably like eight, nine years. Literally since when Brent Venables was just starting out as the defensive coordinator at Clemson, that's not necessarily a uh, moniker that you want to have next to your name as the defensive coordinator for the Tigers. But my point being, Clemson still has talent, okay? You cannot get around that. You've got to be willing to admit that. And it shows up mainly in their rush defense. Their rush defense has only given up 104.2 rushing yards per game on average this year. Their pass defense, not as good, probably more so average, but still not terrible. They've only given up an average of 214.5 passing yards per game this year. Now, in terms of the running game success... I think South Carolina has got to have at least one of the two running backs that have been out for the last few weeks, and Marshawn Lloyd and Christian Bill Smith, available for Saturday night. I think they have proven they can actually find a way to game plan around their absence. But if you want to defeat Clemson, you've got to have at least one of those guys back in order to provide another threat in that offense even if it means that they're used as a decoy more so because of the amount of time now that they have missed in practice and with these games. But South Carolina, in my eyes, and I'll dive into this, of course, as we go along throughout the week, I think that this Clemson defense, I think you can get behind this secondary. This secondary is a very young secondary. They do have some talent back there still, but it's very young. And in my opinion, the depth there, the proven depth, is not as good it is not quite that good Tennessee's wasn't either now I'm not going to sit here and say that Spencer I going to throw for over 400 yards against the Tigers again not saying that but I do think that Spencer Rattler can absolutely have another solid passing performance if the Gamecocks are able to I don't want to say completely neutralize but slow down the pass rush and the pressure packages that Clemson will undoubtedly bring in that defensive front. That's going to be a big, big part of this game. If South Carolina can keep Spencer rather clean, which last year in terms of Zeb Nolan, Jason Brown, when they faced the Tigers, they weren't able to do that. If they can do just that one thing this year on offense, South Carolina's got a good shot here in my eyes. They will give themselves a real fighting chance to end the streak. DJ Uyangale, look, he's an improved quarterback this year. I don't think anybody can deny that. He's still not a quarterback that could take over a football game. That offense starts and ends with number one in Will Shipley. There's absolutely no question about that. If you could stop him and force DJ Uyangale to have to win the game, you're going to win. I'm just going to say outright, you will win. If you can stop or at least slow down Will Shipley to a great extent. South Carolina's got to do that. They didn't do that last year. In terms of rush defense, again, we'll get into this more later down the line, but on defense as a whole, you need to sell out on the run in the box. Dare Clemson to try and throw the ball down the field throughout the course of the football game. Run some man-press coverage on these receivers. Again, they don't have that dude like Mike Williams or Sammy Watkins. They don't have that guy walking out there on the field on Saturday night. Again, they got some talent. They don't have that kind of talent, though, walking out there. So, South Carolina, in my eyes, can definitely use parts of the game plan that they had against Tennessee. And use that to propel another solid performance, another solid outing against the Clemson Tigers. Now, obviously, the emotional aspect of this game... Much different than it was for the Tennessee game. So, of course, that will play a big factor in this game as well. And we'll break down all of that more as, again, the week progresses and we get closer and closer to game day. Now, the Gamecocks got another top five win when Dawn Staley and her women's basketball team went to Stanford and got the victory in overtime nonetheless. How did they manage to do it? We'll dive into all of that in just a little bit. But I want to let y'all know that this week's thrilling moment in college football is brought to you by Nissan. The thrilling designs behind the new lineup for Nissan are intended to empower drivers and vehicles that are as capable as the drivers themselves. With this week's thrilling moment, which I've already gone over in my last show with the second touchdown of the game that the South Carolina Gamecocks scored, since I've already used a thrilling moment in terms of the game itself, I'll talk about the fans storming the field after the game. That was such a cool moment for once. To see that they allowed the fans to go onto the field. They deserved it, by the way. Haven't been able to do that in years. And to see all the students going crazy. All the fans that were so overjoyed out there. Immediately mobbing some of the offensive players. Especially because of the night that they had Spencer Rattler. Getting photos with them. Taking Snapchat reels. I mean... Just really, really cool stuff to see and, you know, something that those fans are never going to forget. This segment has been inspired by the thrilling new designs featured across Nissan's new lineup of vehicles. Pursue what thrills you in the all-new Frontier, Armada, or Pathfinder today. Available now at NissanUSA.com. Welcome back to today's edition of the Locked On Gamecocks Podcast, where we cover your team every single day in just 30 minutes. There was a big matchup that took place out in California on Saturday afternoon as the South Carolina Gamecocks, once again in women's basketball, were a part of a one versus two affair. And this time, the number two ranked team was the Stanford Cardinals. It was not the Yukon Huskies. It was the Stanford Cardinals and it was a very very tough game for South Carolina, but they managed to pull out the victory winning by a final score of 76 to 71 in overtime nonetheless. Now, discussing what all led to the final result. Um I got to say South Carolina played real sloppy on Sunday afternoon. And part of this, of course, you have to credit the Sanford Cardinals for the way they played. Obviously, they were the number two ranked team in the country for a reason heading into Sunday. They have a lot of really talented players on that team. But South Carolina did not make it easier on themselves, on offense especially. The amount of times that South Carolina just ran into the paint willy-nilly, just trying to throw up the basketball, just almost like they were praying it was going to fall in, was in my eyes just sort of, ridiculous honestly especially when you look at the fact that Stanford's got players like Cameron Brink one of their star players who I think legitimately stands at six foot six or six feet seven inches tall on the court and yet South Carolina's guards for whatever reason decided they could just run in there throw the ball up it would somehow get over all of Stanford's front court players and fall into the hoop it led to some really just Bad offensive possessions. Wasted offensive possessions for that matter. And I was just sitting there just amazed at how stubborn they were at times doing this. Another thing on offense. No one still wants to take three-point shots on this squad. Very, very few. And I get it. South Carolina's strengths lie in the front court in terms of their offensive production and defensive production for that matter. And so that is where the ball is going to go. But South Carolina at some point... At some point, it might not happen this year, but down the line, next year, when you're going to lose all these players from this special senior group, and you need to have some offensive production come in different ways, three-point shooting has got to get better with this team. It's going to bite them at some point. It very nearly did on Sunday afternoon against Stanford, because Stanford Hit multiple tough three-point shots. And, you know, again, South Carolina for the most part made them earn those three-pointers. But Stanford was hitting them at a pretty decent clip until, you know, late into the fourth quarter all the way through overtime where they really started to cool off. Aliyah Boston, she had to come out for the majority of the first half due to early foul trouble that she uh, found herself in. And this obviously affected South Carolina's game plan a great deal because they weren't able to just force feed the ball to number four in on the low block, which again, obviously they got good reason to want to do that when she's out there. But when she wasn't, all the players seem to be standing around kind of like, oh, geez, Aliyah's not out here with us and she's not going to be out here with us for a while. What on earth are we supposed to do? I mean, that that's kind of the look that they had offensively. So offensively, you got a lot of things to clean up if you're South Carolina because This was a game that you just about gave away. Stanford, as I'm about to get into, did not play a really good game in their own right. They really didn't. They were giving South Carolina ample opportunities to not only just take the lead, but if South Carolina had played a relatively clean game on both sides of the court, South Carolina would have won this game. This game would have never had to go to overtime. South Carolina could have won this game by maybe 10-14 points, all things considered, if they had played effectively on both sides. But, defensively, how did they get back in this game? South Carolina started playing really good defense again. They started affecting passing lanes. They forced a lot of turnovers on Sunday afternoon. Stanford had 20-plus turnovers. For a team that prides themselves on doing a lot of the little things right, that is something that you rarely see from that basketball team. But South Carolina, with the players that they possess and the depth that they have in terms of their defensive skill sets, On this squad, won out this game, got them back in this game in the fourth quarter. Stanford, I believe, scored only seven points in the fourth quarter. That's what decided the game at the end of the day. How about Brie Beal? Brie Beal continues to prove to people that she is the best defender in all of women's college basketball. She can quite literally put the clamps down on anybody you put in front of her. That included a two-time All-American on Sunday afternoon, Haley Jones who is quite good. She is going to be like a top three pick in the WNBA draft this next time around. And there's a reason why she's a two-time All-American at Stanford. She has been one of the best players in women's college basketball pretty much since her sophomore year especially. That didn't matter for Bree Beal. Haley Jones got the best of her early on in the game, had some really sweet reverse layups. Her layup package is just unbelievable. But Bree Beal, starting maybe about halfway or the latter portion in the second quarter, really just started to shut her down. Haley Jones, I think, finished the game shooting 5-for-19 from the field, around 25%. So, credit to Bree Beal for shutting down Haley Jones, especially when the Gamecocks needed to sort of trudge their way back in this game like they did, because, uh, yeah, they needed every single bit of that defensive effort. So, what does South Carolina need to improve from this game? What did they learn from this game? Well, defensive rebounding has got to be better. Stanford actually matched South Carolina on the glass, which is something you're not going to see too often this season. But Stanford is one of the few teams that has the size to go up against South Carolina's front court. And South Carolina, honestly, they had a lot of opportunities to just get the ball and reel it in off of missed opportunities by the Cardinals. But, you know... Admittedly, the ball did not bounce their way a few times, but there were other times where South Carolina, quite honestly, was a bit lackadaisical going after the basketball. They just kind of assumed that they could just put one hand up, reel it in, or, you know, that there wasn't going to be a player that was going to be right there for Stanford trying to fight for that rebound, and Stanford would wind up getting the basketball. Again, just lackadaisical effort in that aspect, and it very nearly costed them. Some people probably say it should have costed them. However, it didn't because of the championship medal that this team possesses. Offensive decision-making. I touched on this, of course, earlier. That has got to improve. You cannot, you cannot do what you did on Sunday afternoon and just think that because you're South Carolina, you can run into the paint, throw the ball up willy-nilly, and it's going to find a way to go through the net. That's not the way basketball works. You have got to be more methodical on that side of of the court and you've got to find ways to create offense when Aaliyah Boston maybe is being schemed around to where she's being triple teamed almost at times, or if she gets an early foul trouble, which is going to happen at some point. For South Carolina, it happened a really big basketball game. And, you know, it then proposed a situation for the Gamecocks who could step up when Aaliyah Boston is not out there. There were certain players that did. Leticia here deserves a ton of credit for her efforts in this game. She She was phenomenal on defense and offense in terms of getting rebounds, making good decisions for the most part on offense, and driving into the lane and taking it to the rack when she did want to. Picking her spots, fighting the open space, shielding the basketball from the defender. I mean, did a lot of really good things and looked like a guard at times. With her transitions that she had on the offensive end. She did fantastic. Some of the other backups did really good as well. Provided some valuable minutes. Safcon has got to get better. No question about that. But anytime you can win a one versus two matchup on the road. You're going to take that 10 times out of 10 every day of the week. So big win for Safcon on the women's basketball front. I thank all of you for making today's Locked On Gamecocks your first listen. Thank you so much for watching or listening to today's show. What are your thoughts on the Tennessee game and what it may revalidate it for South Carolina? What are your opening thoughts about South Carolina's potential to carry over all that success to the Clemson game? And what were your thoughts on South Carolina's victory over the Stanford Cardinals in women's basketball on Sunday afternoon? I want to hear all of your thoughts in the comment section on YouTube, or you can shoot me a DM on Twitter at a line underscore SC. Once again, thank you for making the Lockdown Gamecocks your first listen today. Now, for your next listen, I would like for you to go check out the Lockdown Sports Today podcast, where the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day all take place. The Lockdown Sports Today podcast is available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your audio podcasts daily. So, Once again, y'all, that does it for me on today's show. Thank you so much for tuning in. Hope you have a great rest of your Monday and a good start to the work week. I'll catch y'all on the next show of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast.